0: Hello, this is Philippe Prover. I'm the Global Sales and Marketing Director here at the KUSMAC Practice. We are reinventing the experience of care. I'm here today with Melissa Nobile. Melissa Nobile is um, a qualified uh, psychologist and she's a project manager and operation coordinator here at the KUSMAC Practice. Probable rates of mental disorders among children and young people has increased by almost half since 2017. England's official survey into mental health as found, with COVID and lockdown identified as aggravating factors. One in six children aged 5 to 16 was identified as having probable mental disorder, five children in a class of 30 students. This was an increase from one in nine children in 2017. Melissa, how alarming are these figures to you?
1: Well, I haven't looked at how this data was collected, um, but if, if these numbers are accurate, they're definitely alarming. Um, and if we think in terms of the pandemic and how it may have impacted youth, it's worth separating under the umbrella of what we call youth, teenagers and children, because they were probably impacted for different reasons in, in some situations. I can give you a few examples. For example, with children, and again, it's one example uh, amongst many that could explain the pathway that may have led to um, mental health difficulties, children, they do what we call a psychologist uh, social referencing. So they're going to look a lot at the emotional display that adults, um, adults give them to interpret the world, to regulate their behavior. To regulate their emotions. So, in this pandemic, we have to look at what the parents of these children were at times doing. So, if you had a parent that was quite anxious about the situation, or if you had a parent with who maybe lost a job due to the pandemic and was a little bit overwhelmed or stressed at home, kids, children, they're gonna be antennas. They're really gonna pick on all those pick up on all these signals to adjust their own behaviors and emotions and. This happens on a day to day life for humans. It's part of the human experience. But in some of these children, over the course of, you know, day after day, maybe being in one of these situations, it could have led to, um, amongst many of the factors, deterioration in, in mental health. And that would be noticed, for example, with children who suddenly become a lot more clingy than usual, children who were maybe. Um, party trained and suddenly start having reverse behaviors Um, that's been observed a lot or children who are a little bit more anxious so again this is just an example about uh, amongst many another one I could think of um, would be that families suddenly had parents who had to work from home except that they had nowhere to (laughs) to put the children during the day anymore So you had parents who had this double duty of having to be an employee and at the same time care for the children and the easy solution and a great and functional solution in a crisis on the short term was to put kids behind screens a lot. And um, again, for loads of kids, that was not a problem on the mid or long-term and it was again, a great solution. And for a subset of children interacting with loads of other factors, it could have led to technology use or addiction problems in that area. So that's for children. And then for teenagers, because again, the different groups, so they probably were impacted quite differently. Um, Teenagers, they're really going through a developmental stage in their life where they have loads of tasks they need to achieve. One of them is becoming independent from the family. And the other one amongst many again would be um, that they need to create a new identity that's usually led by their peer groups. And in the pandemic, they were Schools were shut down, they were back at home, cut off from peers, they could only interact through social media, which boomed during the pandemic, and they were forced to be closer to the parents in a time in life where you really want to be separating, which is a normal developmental need again. So based on all that, I'm not surprised that um, teenagers as as, as well went through a challenging time in this pandemic.
0: And uh, the NHS survey found that although the increase was fastest in primary-age children, the uh, the likelihood that mental health issues would be identified as probable disorder increased with age, with young women aged 17 to 22 being uh, most at risk. Uh, Researchers identified 27.2% of young women and 13.3% of young men as having a probable mental disorder. This is evidence of the coronavirus mental health time bomb and the need for psychological PPE provision for young, isn't it? How do you see that, Melissa?
1: Because I haven't read this survey in detail on how it was conducted. Sometimes when um, we see such uh, discrepancies in numbers between genders, like young women and, and young men, it actually doesn't always represent that there really is an over- it can represent that it's more difficult for, for boys or men to express emotions and to report uh, mental health difficulties. So for these numbers, that's just a small parenthesis I wanted to make. And on the other hand, young women and girls, they do go through certain um, stresses that men don't necessarily go through. Uh, for example, young women are more likely to feel afraid walking home at night, etc. So difficult to conclude in terms of those numbers specifically, but regardless of that, um, I can say that yes, definitely early interventions or intervening when um, a child or a teenager is starting to display symptoms or difficulties is is definitely going to prevent the suffering from potentially going on for too long. And it's going to prevent some conditions from, um, from becoming more chronic.
0: That same survey found that 63.8% of girls aged 11 to 16 with a probable mental disorder had seen or heard an argument amongst among adults in the household, compared with a 46.8% of those unlikely to have a mental disorder. These are obviously uh, statistics. It's also found that children aged 5 to 16 with a probable mental disorder were more than twice as likely to live in a household that had fallen behind with payments, uh, that was about 16.3% that was reported, and that children are likely to have mental disorder, 6.4%. So the lockdown has meant families have been shut in together, and this has also fed into a surge in mental health uh, issues, hasn't it?
1: Yes, definitely. One of the things that happened during this pandemic, but specifically the lockdown, is that families On a day-to-day basis, we're going on with the lives without having to think too much about the internal organization of the family. And then suddenly you have this lockdown where the focus is coming back internally on the family. And the members of these families had to learn to renegotiate boundaries, renegotiate the roles in the family, renegotiate the space, renegotiate proximity, loads of different contributing factors. And some families were more more successful than others at doing that for, for various reasons. Um, so that's something that the lockdown definitely um did naturally on families. And then we know that there's a link between um you know experiencing stresses and having difficulties with with mental health, which we've all experienced as humans. If if you're having a difficult relationship with your spouse, you're more likely to feel a little unsettled than if you had a harmonious evening. So tension in the household, household, regular arguments, even violence are going to be considered as, as of course, stressors. Um, difficult economical situation for some family are going to be a stressor, and this in a lot of different ways. It can be that parents may be during this lockdown if they were stressed about their own financial, the economic situation, um, they're going to be maybe a little bit less patient, which is completely human and less present for their loved ones, which is, could create tension. If you're from a low-income family, you might live in a smaller apartment. Therefore, there's going to be more proximity between family members and it's going to be harder to access privacy during the lockdown. So to answer your question, I could go on for a long time, but yes... The lockdown definitely magnified, magnified yeah. um, difficulties that some family may had were having, and, and created new difficulties for some of them.
0: Certainly has, certainly has. So members of Sage, as known as the Scientific Advisory Group of, for Emergencies, which feeds uh, directly into the UK government decision making. Um, that SAGE group has warned that young people are at risk of of becoming a lost generation because of the pandemic policies.
1: The first thing I want to say is it's while the situation is concerning currently, especially now with this second wave that's began, it's too early in, in my professional opinion, to conclude that youth is a lost generation. There'll be data collected probably in a year, two years, three years' time, and we'll have a better insight as to what the consequences of this pandemic were, even though, again, the reality is definitely concerning.
0: And uh, one of the largest uh, private uh, eating disorder services reported that a 71% rise in admission in September compared with the same period a year ago. What can families and loved ones do to spot these signs, and what advice would you give to those? Those who fear they are developing such disorders, for instance, what kind of advice would you give?
1: Sure. So with clients, I choose to use the term disordered eating patterns, more than eating disorder. Um, And the reason for that is that we're all humans. We're all feeding ourselves daily. We all need food and we're all somewhere in that continuum with more or less of a disordered eating uh, pattern around food and more of or less of a healthy relationship to food. Therefore, there's signs to look out for that will indicate disordered eating patterns. There's loads, there, there are emotional ones, there's physical ones, and there's uh, behavioral ones. Um, Family members cannot see all of them, but I'd say that the main ones they could notice are going to be behaviors that indicate weight loss, dieting, control over food as being... Uh, One of the main concerns of of the family member or their loved one. Preoccupations with uh, calories. Calorie counting is very common. Restricting certain food groups. Um, Someone who appears uncomfortable suddenly eating with others. Someone who's suddenly skipping meals. Um, And usually there's this secrecy component around food that family members report noticing as an early sign. Those are the main signs that would indicate someone's struggling. And overall, keep your eyes open and think of the relationship that the person's having with food. Is it an easy relationship or is it just looking quite complicated? And if it's looking complicated, it likely is. And my advice to those who would like to, to improve that relationship to food would be, it would actually be to seek professional help because it's one of those difficulties where it's harder to get out of it alone and for some of the difficulties. It's not impossible, uh, but if you've already tried different things and you see nothing's working for you, i definitely seek help uh, because there's a way out. You don't have to be alone with it and, and there's a way to make peace with food um, with a little support.
0: And shifting to safeguarding now and a charity that offers counselling said reports of safeguarding issues went up 77% among a sample of secondary school children in particular in self-harming. Again, how can family look out for the forthcoming signs, and and how can they act?
1: The first thing I'll say is that with self-harming, there's a lot of misconceptions around why uh, a teenager is Um, self-harming. It's quite largely misunderstood by the community. I'll give you a few different reasons why someone might be self-harming. And again, there's as many reasons as you could possibly think of, but it can be for some teenagers a way to um, to gain control over a body that's drastically changing. At that age, you know, there's hormonal changes. They're going to grow hair if you're a man. You're going to grow different body parts if you're a man or a woman. You're going to have some sexual changes happening. And for some teenagers, that loss of control over their own body can be so overwhelming that self-harming is a way to feel that the body is theirs again. Like, I can control this, therefore you're still mine. Um, for other teenagers, it can be a way to externalize emotions that they just can't put into words. It's, you know, really, it, it's a sign that, you know, I'm, I'm having a hard time. For some teenagers, it can be um, following um, potentially traumatic events. I've seen uh, young women that uh, were, for example, sexually assaulted or even young men. Um, And it's a way to punish the body, feeling that it's the body that's to blame. And it's the way of coping with that, with punishing themselves. It can be a way to calm themselves down because for some people, it feels good to be doing that. Um, It can be so many different reasons. That's the first thing I'd want to say. And in majority of cases, to answer your question in terms of what parents can look out for, it's quite a secret behavior. So it's difficult to see signs. But what If you were to see something, what you'd likely be seeing would be unexplained um, cuts or scratches, especially if they're gonna be recurrent. So if you see that, it's likely that that could be what's going on. And then my advice what to do about it as a parent would be that if you have a relationship that allows you to do so and you feel comfortable doing so, to talk to your child and to tell them, you know, you're worried about them, you notice that they've been self-harming, are you okay? Would you like to talk about it? That would be a first step, again, depending on your relationship with your child. Um, and I would also obviously encourage you to, to, to reach out to, to professional help to guide you for your specific situation, as it can mean many different things for, for different youth. Um, but again, there's help available if you're in that situation.
0: Thank you very, very much, uh, Melissa, for sharing this with us today. We were discussing the increasing mental health toll on young people during the global pandemic. We are here at the Guznak practice. Uh, This is uh, Philippe Prover and Melissa Nobile. Thank you very much, Melissa, again.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Talk to you soon, then.
1: Yes.